Hello and welcome. I am Kim Keen, host of the One of a Kind You podcast. I started this podcast to share my journey with my past self, a woman who was struggling with leaving her teaching career and adjusting to stay-at-home mom life, to help other women with their motherhood journeys or their work-life balance journeys so they can let go and make themselves a priority without all the sacrificing. If you are a regular listener to One of a Kind You, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. And if you are new, welcome. I'm equally excited to have you here, and I'm so appreciative that you decided to stop by and check it out to see what we have to offer here. So the way this podcast usually works is that I share a journal entry of mine from about seven years ago, and I reflect on what I know now and what I wish I had known then in the thick of the struggle. So this journal entry is actually from July 14th of 2016, and I write, I'm in a reflective state. No surprise there. There are a few things that I've been thinking about. They are part of my normal thought process, but have come to the forefront. A friend that I know got a job. And I'm really happy for her and glad that things have fallen into place as the transition from one state to another takes place. Her success, independence, and confidence and self-assuredness remind me of what I don't have. We were raised very differently. Her parents encouraged her, support her, and taught her to believe in herself. Mine, on the other hand, gave me the polar opposite. They taught me to be insecure, dependent, and didn't encourage or support me. It is a reminder of what I want to provide to my girls. It is also a reminder of what I want for myself. Joel talks today about setting goals and making a plan for achieving them. At this point, I'm not entirely sure how to achieve the goals of being confident, secure with myself, and independent. Ultimately, I want to trust myself and know deep down that I am enough and that I don't need approval from anyone. The other thing that has surfaced is that I'm really disconnected from myself. I don't like what I see in the mirror or in pictures. I can't pinpoint an exact time that it started. I think it's been an issue I've been battling since I was a young child. Again, it stems from the way that my parents raised me and what they taught me about self-acceptance. For this, I can't put it all on them. It is also from the things that my peers said and did to me. Their words and actions have really impacted me far more than I ever realized. Again, what is the plan for overcoming it? Is it stand in the mirror and stare at myself? Take selfies and look at them? I just want to feel comfortable in my skin. I want to look in the mirror and love what I see staring back at me. I want to take a selfie and feel comfortable about it. And doing it. I take care of everyone and not myself. A prime example of this is the fact that I brought extra juice for the girls to have after our zoo trip, but never brought a drink for myself. It is a small example. Another goal, putting myself first. No plan for how to do this. Ugh. So... This is a long entry and there's a lot here. And so the first thing that I'm noticing is the comparison-itis. Holy cannoli. So um, I did not name, when I wrote this entry, I named the person in, in writing it. But for this purpose, I didn't share the person's name. And it's funny when I go back and read these entries now, um, my goodness, I was in such a dark, dark place. And I really blamed my parents for so much, uh, but now I have a different perspective. Yes, there were a lot of things that my parents didn't give me, um, but there were a lot of things that they did. Some now I can see um, the gift in them, but in this moment and growing up and experiencing them, not so much. Um, so, so when I read this, I'm like, wow, Kim, that's not 100% true. Um, I think the hard thing for, for me reading this or when I was writing this is that I would see other people getting things and it just seemed to come so easily to them. And I felt like I was constantly clawing and fighting my way into getting anything. And 
this is, yes, there's been a lot that I've had to quote unquote fight for, but there have been things that I've gotten very easily that I didn't necessarily have to fight too hard for. But ironically enough, it's the ones that you, it's the ones that I remember the most are the ones that I really, really had to fight for, like claw my way for them. Um, and so I think it was hard. I was really, really happy for this person because they had an amazing opportunity, um, in Portland. So, um, like the ultimate dream job for the industry that they're in. And so, um, she's just, a, a naturally independent person and confident and self-assured. And so she does not hold herself back in any way, shape or form when it comes to, uh, working for the things that she wants. So she's very goal oriented. She, um, with her physical fitness goals, with her financial goals, with her professional goals, she's just very focused and goal oriented. I think part of that is because she was raised by two entrepreneurs um, her mother had multiple successful businesses, and then her dad also had a successful business of his own, and they built these companies from the bottom up. So she saw what it took to create something from the foundation and build it, and what it took to sustain that, but also to be able to you know, raise children and send the children to college and to also be able to travel and experience things uh, once they were empty nesters. So she had really good role models. And her mom um, is the same. Like they're cut from the same cloth. They look alike. They act alike. Um, so I think it's, it is, I'm going to say this is where um, generational lineage can get passed down. So her generational lineage is far different from my generational lineage. So, um, her mom's mom was a very strong and fiercely independent woman as was her great grandmother. And, um, same thing on her dad's side. There are a lot of strong, independent, goal oriented, focused people on, on her side of the family too. And I'm sure there was some trauma, um, but nothing I'll say monumental, nothing multi-generational, um, very much like, I'm not going to say the white picket fence analogy, um, but I will say overall a healthy functioning family dynamic on her mother's side of the family going back many generations and also on her, her father's side going back many generations where my family is vastly different. So um, the lineage, the generational lineage that has been passed down through my family has included um, addiction. So my um, dad's mom, her parents were alcoholics. I don't know that my great grandmother was, a, I'll say alcoholic. I know that she drank a fair amount, um, but my great grandfather was an alcoholic. And so I have a lot of information going back very far, um, on my grandmother, my dad's mom, that side of the family. Uh, I want to say to my great, 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 great grandfather. So going far back, there's not a lot in that history that I have about addiction, but it's kind you can see that it's kind of implied in some places and some of the stories that are, are written down and passed down. Um, so, so that, um, alcohol dependency 
wasn't passed down to my grandmother. She was not an alcoholic, but what was passed down was the codependency, the enmeshment, those types of things. And then they were passed down to my dad and then to me. And so now my, my family has no awareness of this whatsoever. None. And I've tried to talk to my dad a little bit about it, but you know, it's in one ear and out the other. He doesn't really see the, the legitimacy of it or the validity in it. And so he thinks it's kind of like psychobabble mumbo jumbo. Now my mom's family I've shared before. So my mom was actually taken from the state um, and put in the foster care system when she was 10, along with her seven other brothers and sisters. And in the foster care system, my mom experienced horrific abuse, um, maybe worse than what she experienced with her biological parents. But there was addiction, um, both drug and alcohol addiction, um, domestic violence, uh, emotional abuse, like a lot of not great things. And so, uh, so my mom broke that cycle with no drug or alcohol dependency, um, no physical abuse for us kids, um, no sexual abuse, nothing like that. Um, tumultuous relationship with my stepdad. And, uh, but some of her siblings have not broken this cycle. They've been in and out of jail themselves. Um, some of them have alcohol dependency, drug dependency, uh, tumultuous relationships with their spouses, not necessarily being most present parents for their children. And so, but the other thing that was passed down again is codependency, but also, um, negative self-talk, negative self-belief, a lot of self-doubt, all of that kind of stuff. So, so my family history is vastly different from the person that I'm writing about in this entry. And so that's why when I started doing this healing work, it was so super important for me to break the cycle for my girls because I want them to have a legacy where they see me the way that I see this person that I'm writing about. They, I want them to see me as being confident, successful, self-assured, independent. So that way I can lay the foundation for them to be those things. And so uh, my parents actually did encourage me. They did support me and they did really teach me to believe in myself. But I think, you know, outwardly, those were the things that they, they taught me. You know, they taught me that you should be able to take care of yourself financially. They taught me if you have a, you know, if you have a goal, go for it. Um, they wanted me to be independent. So, you know, growing up, like they taught me to how, to how to do dishes. They taught me how to clean the house. They taught me how to do the laundry. They, you know, I know how to check the oil in my car. I know how to like tell what the tire pressure should be in my car. I know those kinds of things because they wanted me to have like that, that general basic self-sufficient knowledge. And so, um, today, this is kind of like an aside to that. I was picking Lily, my older daughter up from a soccer game and we, the school was in the neighborhood. And so we were parked on the field and this gentleman was outside cutting his grass. And he happens to have the same kind of car I do, a Honda CRV. And he, you know, knocked on the window to tell me about like the importance of getting the oil change every 3000 miles because of the type of the engine that they're putting in the new Hondas, yada, yada, yada. And he said, you know, if, when you get home, have your husband, uh, open up the oil cap and see if it smells like gasoline. And if it does, it's because it's the engine doing whatever it is that you don't want it to do. He said, or 
you can just pull the oil dipstick out and smell it. And I was like, oh, I can do that by myself because I know how to do, I know where those things are. And he chuckled. He was like, oh, okay, then you can do it by yourself. And he was older. He told me he was 75. So he probably just looked at me and thought, okay, you're a young woman. You don't know how to do those things. So that's why you need your husband to do it. And so that was my way of saying to him, yes, I might look like I'm young and naive uh, and I am a woman, but that doesn't mean I don't know a few things. So, but here's where I would say that my writing is correct and that their, I'll say, unconscious things that ended up in this situation being more powerful to me than what they were actually speaking out loud. So because my mom struggles with her self of concept, my mom struggles with self-love, self-trust, confidence, uh, independence, and all of those things with being self-assured. Uh, and she even struggles with her success. My mom is a highly intelligent person, but she does not see her intelligence. So she, when she was going, so my mom didn't finish college, but every time she enrolls in college and she works at it, my mom is a straight A student. She'll occasionally get a B. So like one, like no C's, no D's, no F's. And she's close to having multiple degrees. She just needs to finish them, but she gets in her own way. So I think what I ended up learning and growing up, I didn't, I didn't know it at the time because when I was younger, like nine, 10, 11 outwardly, I was like, yes, I'm independent. I don't need to, I won't have to rely on anyone when I'm adult. I'll be able to take care of myself. I'll be able to pay my own bills. I'm going to get a good college degree, yada, yada, yada. But I think deep down inside, I didn't necessarily believe those things were true because I would hear the horrible things that my mom said about herself. So um, not that she projected them on me. Uh, it was like, I'll say on some level unintentional because I would hear her say those horrible things about herself. And I guess unconsciously, I think, well, I'm part her. So if she's those things, then I must be those things too. So it was somehow I created this internal dialogue that said that I wasn't confident, I wasn't capable, I wasn't self-assured, I wasn't independent, I wasn't successful. And so so I really, reading this, I'm like, wow, Kim, you are really, really, really stuck in the victim mentality and it's not doing you any favors. And so, yes, on some level, my parents did actually teach me to be insecure and dependent and not really say like, yeah, go get them, girl. Even though they did, they would always say, you can do whatever you put your mind to. You don't need anyone to tell you that you can, blah, blah, blah. Um, but like I said, they actually on some level taught me to be insecure because there would be times where I would say, oh, I want to do this. And my dad would say, no, you're not doing that. It's not safe. It's dangerous. That's ridiculous. Or you look ridiculous in the outfit. That skirt is too short. You don't you don't look nice. And he would use much more inappropriate words. Um, and so, so that constant chatter of the decisions you're making for yourself aren't okay, actually bred the insecurity. And so what I really had to do was leave the victim mentality at the door and recognize that I'm an adult now. And if I want to get a job from and leave the state and transfer to another, 100% I'm absolutely capable of doing it. Absolutely, I can be confident that that is going to happen. I can make that happen because I have a skill set that I know how to market myself with. I have the skill set, but I have the belief in myself. And so what the biggest thing that I was missing back 
at the time of writing this journal entry is like really the belief in myself, but the belief in what was possible because I was so stuck and dark in the labels of childhood emotional neglect, codependency, enmeshment, anxiety. And I think the biggest, the two biggest things that really pushed me over the edge were the codependency because that was very clear, something that had been passed down from generation to generation. So I felt almost um, resentful for that. Like I didn't have a choice in that. I, I, I don't want codependency. Like why would I sign myself up for that? And then also the childhood emotional neglect. Like I didn't want that either. I would never sign up for that. And so I think that I was such in a dark place and I, that's why I got stuck in the victim mindset because I was like, how could my parents do this? How could they be so irresponsible that they didn't heal their own nonsense before they brought a child into this world? Well, Kim, because they weren't aware that they had nonsense to heal. You know, this was back, I was born in 82. So this was before the time of, you know, there was therapy available, but mental health awareness was not what it was in today, it was not that in 1982. It was not that in the seventies or the sixties. So it was kind of like, I feel like my mom had all of these horrible things happen to her and that shaped her belief in who she was. And she kind of just said, you know, this is my lot in life. I've had all these shitty things happen to me and I can't go back and undo them. And so that makes me not worthy. That makes me defective. That makes me this, that, or the other, when that's the farthest thing from the truth. And so, you know, it's just the generation that they were raised in. So that's why they just didn't have the awareness. And so, um, but the, the difference is, is that I did have the awareness. So I could, ha so I made a choice to sit and meddle in it and allow it to over, like to just take over my life and just suffocate and consume me when I could have said, you know what, F this. This is not going to define me. Let me take the lessons. Let me take the value here. And let me take this and move forward because I am not having this for my girls and I am no longer having this for myself. In 2016, I wasn't able to do that. It took me another year to get to that point to be like, yep, nope, not living like this anymore because my time here on this planet is precious and it's a limited resource. So um, I need to make the best of the time that I have. So, and so that leads me into the next part where I was listening to Joel Osteen a lot at this point because I was trying to develop my, my faith and my sense of spirituality. And I thought that meant I had to do it with organized religion. I didn't realize that spirituality and, and being a faith-based person could happen outside of a church. It took me, um, even though it was funny because at this point I was going for Reiki, I was doing, um, I had gone for my Reiki certification for Reiki for pets, Reiki on people. I was using crystals. I had learned about the Native American medicine wheel. I was really diving deep uh, into holistic practices, but I hadn't made the connection that that is a form of spirituality. And so, um, plus I really liked listening to Joel because it felt uplifting and positive and it, it felt hopeful. And so I really needed that feeling of hope and possibility. And so listening to him when I was riding in the car to get my girls from school, it really gave me that. And so he talks about goal setting and making a plan for achieving them. And that's really a procedural 
piece of 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 doing work, whether it's personal growth work, professional development, like attaining professional goals, that's really surface level and that's really procedural. And so um, if you are not in a mindset where you even remotely believe for like an ounce or a speck that you're, you have the ability to achieve that goal, setting the goals and making the plan isn't really going to do you a good because you're going to feel awkward and uncomfortable trying to achieve the goal that it's not going to last long. So that's why like, if you're looking to do um, the have the goal of exercise more and you're not a regular exerciser, whew, it's going to be tough to stick with that goal. So you have to, to make a goal for exercising with where you are in that moment so it feels achievable, it feels doable. Then you can expand the goal to make it a bit more challenging after you have the idea, the perspective, and the belief that you are someone who exercises regularly. Then it would feel more natural to, to push yourself, to challenge yourself more. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so um, I was so downtrodden and beaten down and exhausted from spinning my wheels constantly, overanalyzing uh, like I said in the beginning, that uh, being in a reflective state was nothing new. I lived in my head 24-7, 365. Think, 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 think. And so all of that thinking was not going to help me in any way, shape, or form to achieve any goals of confidence, independence, being secure with myself, um, because staying in my head wasn't... a I wasn't in a place to start taking action towards those goals. So what I needed to do is figure out where in that moment, back on July 14th of 2016, would I be able to create a goal towards being confident or secure with myself or independent? And I would need to do something that was aligned to that perspective or just slightly outside of that perspective that I had in that moment to start working towards. But I couldn't even wrap... My, my brain around that. That just did not even feel like a realm of possibility because I didn't trust myself and I didn't feel like I was enough. Even though I wrote, I know deep down that I am enough and that I don't need approval from anyone. So I could write that, but I didn't feel that with a very strong conviction. I was kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm worth it. I don't really need anyone's approval, but more than anything in the world in this moment, I wanted approval. I wanted someone to come up and be like, Kim, you're amazing. You're confident. You're self-assured. You're gorgeous. You're capable. You're all of these things. So you can do anything you put your mind to. Yep. That didn't happen because I needed to do it for myself because someone could have done it for me. My husband did it. My mom would always sing my praises, always, but I didn't believe it. Oh, you have to say that because you're my husband. You have to say that because you're my mom. When in reality, they didn't have to say anything, but I couldn't say it for myself. So I, and I think that the next part is, you know, the being the disconnected, being disconnected from myself was again because I was so in my head. I could not stop the thought process, this never-ending thought process. Could not do it. 
because it gave me this feeling of security in some weird way. I knew, I thought that, you know, if I spent all this time analyzing all of these bad, horrible things and all the things that I need to do or I could do or I should do or whatever it is, if I can figure it out with my brain, it will all go away and I can move forward high, high and dry. Life will be easy. Life will be good. There will be no more bumps in the road. There will be no obstacles or challenges or letdowns or disappointments or frustrations or irritations or anger or any of that. Resentment, nothing. It's, it'll be like a clean slate. Wrong. So um, I felt disconnected from myself because I was not taking care of myself. I was not making myself a priority. And I had all these horrible thoughts running through my head. So why would I, who would want to be connected to the person that's got all the negative thoughts running through their head? I just couldn't get out of it. I couldn't get out of my head to actually connect with myself. So I was doing yoga regularly. I would go get my nails done regularly. Um, but I wasn't doing, I, I just, well, I wear my hair the same way every day, but, um, my hair was much longer than I would just throw it in a ponytail. I wouldn't put makeup on my face. Um, and I'll never forget, not that. Let's see, I would say probably around this time, maybe a little bit before this, I was at the mall with my younger daughter, Casey. She was like maybe three and we were walking through the mall and the, one of those kiosks in the middle with the makeup and they like try to shove the free samples in your face. The gentleman saw me, he was like, whoa, you have dark circles under your eyes. Come over to my booth and let me give you something to take care of those. I was horrified. I couldn't get out of that mall fast enough and I got to the car and I just cried. Well, of course I have dark circles under my eyes. I'm exhausted. I'm not taking care of myself. I'm literally running myself ragged, trying to let go of codependency and childhood emotional neglect and anxiety and anger and resentment and all these horrible emotions and feelings and thoughts. Of course I looked run down, but I'm also fair skinned. So it, my circles look darker than they probably are. And that's just, you know, part of getting older. So I had a dermatology appointment shortly after that. And I was like, what, what do I do doctor? Tell me how to get rid of these dark circles. Do I go back to that kiosk and get that man's makeup? Is that his cream or whatever? And she laughed. She was like, no, it's genetics. So who in your family has the dark circles? Well, most of the women in my family have the dark circles under their eyes. Um, she was like, so it's genetics. She was like, it's just, you know, because you're in your mid thirties, your skin thins as you age. She was like, you can get injections. She was like, but I wouldn't recommend that. I was like, yep, I'm not doing injections. So, uh, she was like, so basically concealer is going to be your best friend noted. You got it. But even then being mortified for that man to tell me I had dark circles, I still wasn't wearing makeup regularly. I still wasn't doing anything with my hair regularly. And so I wasn't doing anything to, to connect with myself. Those little things of doing your makeup, doing your hair, those are ways to connect with yourself. I was meditating, but I still felt disconnected with myself because I wasn't doing, um, I wasn't doing spiritual work. I was doing the physical work, but we're a mind, a body and a soul. So I was doing the yoga. Um, I stopped running at this point. I wasn't really running regularly anymore. I would go for an occasional bike ride. I would go down into the basement sometimes and work out, not not consistently. Um, so I so I was doing more of the body piece, but I wasn't doing the spirit piece enough 
to reconnect with myself. So that was part of the reason. But plus, of course, I felt disconnected with myself because I was telling myself these horrible stories about my life. And a lot of that stuff was in the past. It really wasn't in the present. It was only in the present because the therapist was basically picking the scab every single week for over a year. And so it couldn't heal. It was always just this bleeding, festering mess. And so, um, so here I am blaming my parents again for having low self-esteem. It was partly also feeling disconnected from myself because my body had changed after having two kids. And so on some level, the body that I saw when I would stare in the mirror was not my body. And because I had to have a hernia surgery and um, I had a tummy tuck because I had a separated abdominal wall after both my girls. So it just looked different. And that was hard for me to handle because um, I was given this message growing up that your looks are, are important, especially your weight. And that was because my mom struggles with her weight. So, and then when my dad would make um, not nice comments about plus size women. And if that was his wife, he would say, you need to go on a diet and things like that. So I heard all this messaging about body weight, body image, um, the clothes that you should wear, the clothes that you should not wear. So I had all of these outside, I'll say sources and messages constantly tripping in my ear, my brain. It's no wonder that I didn't feel connected with myself because I just had so much to process and work through. Um, and so there was really no plan for overcoming any of it because I couldn't get out of my own way. And two, I didn't really understand the root cause of the problems. So I was so fixated on the labels and I'll say the surface level situation in it of, you know, the childhood emotional neglect, the anxiety, the codependency, like those, those are the labels. I'll say on some level, that's the surface level stuff. Um, because, oh, okay, you know, healing codependency or shifting out of codependency, those types of things, it's like very procedural. But what I needed to do was get to the root cause of the issues and really look at the patterns that had evolved from the root issues so that I could start re recreating better serving patterns and doing a lot of mindset work. And so, um, because of where I was in my mental state, it never occurred to me that it was an okay thing to make myself a priority. I had such immense guilt, even though I knew I needed to do it. I wanted to do it. I didn't know what to do. And I had guilt because it was like, okay, my husband works all day. So why do I get to sit on my bum bum and have time to myself? Well, okay, because you're human, you're not a robot and you need to recharge your battery. You can't use a cell phone or a laptop endlessly with no recharge like the the battery dies and that's it you can't use it until the battery charges but I didn't get it um as even though I wanted to and so you would think that the wake-up call of not having something to drink for myself but having it for my kids would be like the ding 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 time to make some changes Kim no because I didn't know I couldn't even come up with one small step to start making changes. And I don't know if you feel that too, that you're in the same place I was back in 2016, where you have all these things that are really weighing on you and you know that you need to make some changes because what you're doing isn't working, but you just don't know how to make the changes. Um, it takes a lot of reflection, but if you feel like you need help with that, please reach out. I'm more than happy to help. Um, even if it's that you will attend one of my workshops coming up, 
Uh, I have everything listed in the show notes. And then also you can, everything's also listed in uh, my Instagram uh, bio link. So I have, you know, free resources to help uh, because I know how lonely and overwhelming it can feel when you're so deep in the thick of the struggle and you just so desperately want to get out and you just need um, one step to get you to the next place and the next place and the next place. But right now it's like, it's just a really steep ramp with no stairs. And every time you try to climb up the ramp, you just slide back down to where you started. It gets overwhelming and defeating and exhausting. And so um, I would love to know if this podcast episode resonates with you in any way, shape or form. So feel free to reach out and chat with me on Instagram and the DMS. You can message me on Facebook. You can shoot me an email. Um, I'm always interested and I love talking with women because um, feeling alone sucks. And so I, I'm always happy to give um, community where it's needed. So thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I'm so grateful that you are sharing your time with me. If you found this episode helpful or you have a friend that it might be helpful, please feel free to share it because the more the merrier. And if you would be so kind to leave a review, I would so greatly appreciate it because I take the time to read all the reviews to ensure that this podcast continues to be a place of support and guidance and really a one-stop shop because let's face it, us ladies, we have to stick together. So thanks so much for tuning in and I will see you next week.